Well, this is a time where we can make up for any difficulties we've had. I thank God that he uh, ordained and blessed uh, gatherings. We always like to have as many as possible, but Jesus doesn't count who's there before he comes. Now tonight, this will be the third in the uh, last installment on this subject, the necessity and availability of understanding, this spiritual understanding we're talking about. And tonight we're going to particularly focus on a text in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 14 through 19. <clears throat> Ephesians three fourteen through 19. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that Ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's wonderful. A lot of things to see there. Now, Paul is writing to a church. He spent three years there and invested of his person there. He said he was with them three years, always warning them. Well, that wouldn't be popular, would it, yeah. today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spent three years warning them. Yeah. He knew some. He knew a falling away was coming, he, yeah. and he warned them. Yeah, that's right. For three solid years. Why? Mm-hmm. But after he left, he heard about it. They've been progressing very well. He heard about their faith and of a love for all saints. And now he, uh, after hearing about their faith and their love for all saints, how does an apostle respond to something like that? Now we're going to see. 
he's the apostle to the Gentiles, and this was a Gentile church. So he hears from a Gentile church, one of the churches he's been raised up to teach, that they had a lot of faith, and they were lo- had love for all the saints. All right, now, wh- how does he pray for people like that? We know that God had unveiled to Paul something that nobody else on the face of the earth or in history has ever seen. The only way we know about these things is Paul told what he was seeing, what he had seen. He said the mystery had been opened up to him that hadn't been before. He said, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world for our glory. And he also was a revealed purpose, was revealed to Paul, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent, here's why this is revealed, Mm -hmm. that now under principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Oh, so see, the people weren't even the point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People weren't even the point. Mm -hmm. They were the means to the point. Kind of humbling, but that's the way it is. To the intent means for this purpose. There are high principalities and powers. These were the good ones, not the bad ones. High principalities and powers. They knew absolutely zero Mm -hmm. about God's love about God's grace, about God's mercy, about God's long-suffering. They didn't know anything about these. There was no need for these to be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. See? The only exhibit they saw of God's reaction to rebellion was wrath. That's all. That's all they knew. But there was more God wanted them to see. More He wanted them to know. Particularly in the area of His grace and mercy so the gospel contains this message and Paul unfolds it and tells you what's in the gospel and I want to make a few comments here about what's made known by the gospel because particularly in recent times Mm -hmm. I've realized that very few people know Mm -hmm. what the gospel has made known they really don't know us. So I want to take just a few moments here to tell you what's been revealed in the gospel. And it's stated specifically. We're not interpreting anything here. Here's one thing found in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for therein is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith for the wrath, for the wrath, we're talking about the gospel here, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Wherever the gospel's preached, people that understand it tell that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's right. That's not that. It's not all. Romans 2.16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Got to preach the gospel. Yeah. Part of the gospel is that the secrets of men are going to be yeah. judged Amen. by Jesus Christ. Right. Let's, let's continue. Mm-hmm. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? He heard about the hope. Yeah. What's reserved for God's people. Mm-hmm. Here's another. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1.23 If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not hoped away, moved away from the hope of the gospel, mm-hmm. which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, have made a minister. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you right up front. There's a lot of Christians that have heard very little about the hope. Yeah. Not a hope, mm-hmm. the hope. Okay. Just an anchor for the soul, yes. that hope. Here's something else, 2 Timothy 1.10. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Yeah. So the gospel opens up what life is and what immortality is. Yet in the religious world there's confusion about immortality. Among professed Christian leaders there's confusion about immortality. Some people teach, and some of these people I personally know, that immortality is conditional. That only the saved are going to be immortal. And the wicked are going to finally be just consumed. But whoever's raised from the dead, and everybody's going to be raised from the dead, are going to be raised mm-hmm. immortal. Amen. That's made known in the gospel. Amen. Here's something else, Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. All right, here's part of the gospel. God's able to establish you. To make you firm and unshakable and unmovable. That's made known in the gospel. Again, 1 Timothy 1, 9-11. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the godly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves of mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the gospel, the glorious gospel. <laughs> That's according to the glorious gospel. Yes, amen. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. And that mystery, that's what was revealed to Paul. So that was that's made known yes. in the gospel. Amen. Again in first Timothy second Timothy one ten. Mm-hmm. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ who abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
Now, all of Paul's letters make mention of these things that he mentioned. All of Paul's letters cover these subjects that he made mention of. He expounds them, gives exhortations based on them, and admonitions. See, these are essential factors in wisdom and understanding. Now, this brief series of lessons has been on the necessity and availability of understanding. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a salvation that doesn't include understanding. And I'm showing you here that the thing to be understood is very wide. You understand God, you understand Christ, you understand salvation, you understand the penalty for not accepting Christ, you understand life, you understand immortality, see? You understand what the law condemns and why it does and what it is for. All of that's made known in the gospel. And now he's going to tie this in with obtaining wisdom and understanding. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of these things that he just because of this gospel has been committed to him. Paul never thought of Jesus independent of the Father. When he thought of Jesus he bowed his knees to the Father. See he never thought of Christ independent of the Father. But I'm telling you that there is an approach to Christianity that does think of Jesus independently of the Father. He didn't. He never did. He, Jesus is still asking the question to his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Now you've got to be able to answer him on that question. He asked the disciples first, who do men say that I am? And they told him, we could say the same. We could say, well, some people say he's this, and some people say he's that, and some people think Jesus is that, and some people think Jesus does this. Yeah. Then after they reported all that, he said, who do you say that I am? Yeah, right. Nobody volunteered the answer. It was revealed to Peter. Yeah. Yes. God revealed to him who he was. Of whom I bow my knees to the Father, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now the the perspective of the professed believer can can be centered in self. He can. In fact, Satan will tempt you to... Some people only think of Christ in regard to themselves. That's the total context of how they think about Christ. Other people think of the people they're affiliated with. That, that's the only... They don't, they don't think beyond that perimeter. Notice what he says here. He talks about the whole family yeah. in heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Now, in my own case, I've been privileged to know many advanced and productive saints. Mm-hmm. My considerations must include them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I think of believers, i got to include them. Most of them are have departed. Most of them aren't here anymore. But I've got to... I've got to think of them. And not to mention, not to mention 
men like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Job and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and John the Baptist and the twelve apostles and Paul and Stephen. I think of them. As you consider these in view of them, how do your trials appear? Hmm? How do they appear? In view of what Enoch endured, or in view of what Noah endured, or in view of what Abraham endured. How do they appear? See, when, it, when the whole family, when you think of the whole family, it helps you to think more properly. Amen. Not to overstate your case, or understate it. Because you've received some things they didn't receive. Yes, Charlie. I want to tie what you're saying there with the resurrection because Paul does tie the resurrection with that hope that what you do is not in vain. He builds that whole case of 1 Corinthians. But you mentioned that point that some would say that immortality is conditional. Well, what I'm thinking is when Jesus talked about there's a resurrection of life, there's a resurrection of damnation. Damnation, that's right. Now, consider this though. For the saint, resurrection is hope. It is something to anticipate. It drives us. You know, this is something that we anticipate. Continuing on, life with God, that's something that the same life dies for. But for the damned, resurrection is more like a punishment. Well, it is a punishment. That's right. It is a punishment. It's a resurrection to damnation. Why I say that is because he said of Judas, it would be better he was never born. Yes, that's right. Amen. Yeah. Now, because the average person hasn't heard mm -hmm. these kind of arguments, yeah. I not only have heard them, I participated in a debate about the situation, but if everybody, common believer, knew what was being said behind the scenes, <laughs> they'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. They'd be surprised how many of their teachers and preachers have no understanding they'd be surprised yeah. they can't tell it because the people aren't preaching the gospel the gospel makes known the things that we've been mm -hmm. talking about yes I think of the whole family and when I think of them I pray that he would grant you yeah. grant means to give or to bestow you uh -huh. when your quest to know matches what God wants to dis disclose yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You're in. Amen. Yep. You've reached the pinnacle then. Mm -hmm. When you want what God gives. Mm -hmm. And he tells you what he gives. That's the glorious thing about it. That he would grant you. You remember that John wrote it. This is the confidence we have. This is it. If we ask anything according to his will, we have the petitions. Yeah. Yeah. That's knowing his will. The secret of using the scripture correctly and benefiting from it is when the circumstance, you can match it with something God has said about that circumstance. And when, it, when you can do that, then you get the understanding. Because God has articulated something in the scripture about every possible human experience category, I'll say. He said something about it, and furthermore, somebody's experienced it. Mm -hmm. 
and you have a record of how they reacted to it. Just as kind of a common experience, if, if say, a, one brother hates another brother, you've got the example of Cain and Abel, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Jacob and Esau. You've got examples yeah. of the situations that we mm -hmm. may face. And he would grant you, according to his riches in glory, yeah. other versions say the wealth of his glory. Now the glory of Christ is not the phenomenon to be beheld. It's to be, it's to be the resource from which we obtain. That's how you've got to see it. We do behold his glory, but the point of beholding his glory is in beholding it, something is right. transmitted to you. Amen. We with all with open face, an unveiled face, nothing's between us and him, mm -hmm. are beholding as any glass or a mirror, mm -hmm. which is the gospel, is the mirror that reflects mm -hmm. the glory of the Lord. And as we behold that glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image from glory, one stage of glory, to another increasing stage of glory. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you gaze, the more you're changed. Yeah. Amen. That's the riches of his glory. See, we're coming, the riches of his glory. Yeah. All right, what, uh, what is he targeting? For you to be strengthened <coughs> with might... By his spirit. Now in that text of Second Corinthians three eighteen says we're changed from glory unto glory. It says even as by the spirit. So the spirit is the one that's working the change. Amen. And so he says, strengthened with might by his spirit. Yes. This is spiritual mm -hmm. strength. Amen. This is strength to resist the devil. This is strength to run the race. See? This is strength to stand. This is strength to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's strength to keep running the race. See, it's that kind of strength. He gives us strength yeah. in the inner man. Some writers' versions say the inner being the inward man, in your hearts, your interior person. Many versions are very weak in their translation. In your hearts, that's not what it, that's not what it says. Your heart's involved, but that's not it. Your, your inner person is your inward man or your new man. Amen. That's right. Yes. When we go before um, the throne of grace to seek help in us, in a time of need, we, we receive that glory from Christ. When, we, when we're there in front of the throne, we're beholding His face. And this is the strength that comes down to us. This is what we've been talking about here. That's right. Mm -hmm. And when you behold the face of Christ, you don't care to behold any, yeah. Yeah. anything else. It's a concentrated behold. Mm -hmm. yeah. dwell In your inner man or your new man... This isn't a generic identity, yeah. like the unseen part. You know, it's, it's, that's not what he's talking about. He, he's talking about the part that's been begotten of God. Yeah. That, that's the part of you that he strengthens. Yes, Brother Dave. So then, a person 
who isn't born again wouldn't delight in the love of God in the inward man because their inward man is opposed to the law of God. Yes. Choice in it. Mm -hmm. This is referring to the person who's born again. Amen. See, you're not. You're not. I have to be careful how I say this, but you, you, you're when you're born again, you're not born again strong. Any more than Jesus when he was born was strong. (laughs) You have to become strong, and until you do, Christ protects you. Yeah, that's right. Until, for by reason of time, when you ought to, when you ought to have been mature, then of course the protection is off. That's right. But it's important to see that that when you're born again, you can't talk to newborns, yeah. newborn spiritual people, as though they were strong. That's right. They're not strong. Yes, mother. Well, it's there in the scriptures. He talks about strong meat as opposed to the milk of the word. Mm-hmm. Some of like areas of growth. Yeah, they're weak. Yeah. But it's not a chosen weakness. It's That's just right. this is how you. This is how you start out. Yeah. And, and if it, just like Jesus started out, but he was protected yeah. by the Father right. when he was a child. Yeah. This is an ongoing process, too. It says we're continually we're being built up by oh, the yes. most holy faith. So it's not like we're going to reach a point where we can sit down and say, okay, I've arrived. Well, when we enter into glory. But, but while we're here, we constantly are adding to our faith. We're, we're, we're allowing faith to, to, to lead us in the paths of righteousness. This is, unless this happens, the, the, we'll, we'll regret, regress back. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, this thing we're reading about is an ongoing. Yes. This is not something that happens in a point in time. This is something that starts in a point of time, mm-hmm. but it yeah. continues on. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. The mm-hmm. first thing that he said after she yeah. sat up was, give her something Give her something to eat. Something yeah. This is a great truth to see. Mm-hmm. You, I, think you, I think all of you see this, but there's a, there's a type mm-hmm. of Christianity afoot in the world today that does not seek the continual strength of the people. Yeah, yeah. And the people remain in a state of weakness. They're just fed like pablum all the time. Not some of us, not even pablum. Some they just re, they just rehearse over and over and over and over the same thing. But the purpose of spiritual life is to advance. Amen. And I gather in the glory is still going to advance. Yeah, yeah. We're, created, we're his workmanship created unto or in order to good works. And these good works require strength. Yes. Yeah. You can't do these works in a weakened state. Yes, Brother Jonathan. I'm sure there's always room to grow and always room to progress, but we read things like the scripture like, they shall never perish. Mm-hmm. Now you read like the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Day so by day, this. As far as nature goes, you start out weak and then you go back to weak because you're at your peak and then you kind of downcline until you go to the grave. But in the spirit, this is not so. It always goes up. Yes. Amen. 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 
He be strengthened with might by the spirit of the inner man that, see that least, (laughs) that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Receiving Christ to him that to as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Receiving Christ and Christ dwelling are not the same thing. The point of receiving Christ is to have him stay. Yeah, amen. Okay, is to abide, for him to abide with you. His revealed truth is virtually unknown again. Nearly every place people claim identity with Jesus Christ, his presence is assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. It's assumed that Christ is among them. Assume that Christ... We dare not assume Christ is among us. Dwells among us. Jesus said, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, God, and he, that's God, in him. It's mutual. But it's conditioned on something, see? Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. And how do you know the Spirit's been given you? When what the Spirit does, you perceive. Yeah, amen. Is in you. Yes. Jesus said, if a man love me, he'll keep my words. My Father will love him. Will love him. Uh-huh. That's a condition. My Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode. Or that's dwell. That's right. Amen. That's the dwell. Jesus said to the lukewarm church at Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's dwell. That's right, yes. That's what dwelling is. Jesus requires strength to dwell with you. The kind of strength only God can give. Amen. Even Christ dwelling in you, that has has an objective. doesn't stop there. That, in order that, ye being rooted and grounded in love. This is God's love. Amen. Your roots have to sink down into God's love and draw from that Amen. from that love. Here you come to grips with the nature of salvation. The thrust of salvation is not having your sins forgiven. That's included, make no mistake, but that's not the thrust. Yeah. Yeah. The thrust is being made the righteousness of God. That's the thrust. It is not being delivered from the power of darkness. That's not the main thing. The main thing is being translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the main thing. Putting off the old man is necessary, but it's not the main thing. Putting on the new man, that's the, that's the main thing. It's not being freed from the prince of the power of the air that's the fundamental thing. Mm-hmm. It's being joined to the Lord that's the yeah. fundamental yeah. thing. See, it's all this in order to, in order to, in order right. to. So he delivered you in order to mm-hmm. walk with him. Yeah. Now we come to the indispensable role of comprehending. Mm-hmm. Yes. This testifies that this is true because the man he swept out the house, right? Mm-hmm. But nothing was put in it. And then more evil spirits came into it. So, I mean, that backs up what you're saying perfectly, that the end just can't be 
leaving the darkness or just putting off, it's in order that something greater can be done. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. Amen. That's right. Amen. If we just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, He'll work these things in you. And, and you, you'll become a participant of His glory, which is, uh, you, can't, you can't ask for a better salvation, one that, that actually yeah. you can fellowship with God. None of the other gods offer fellowship. That's right. But see, you know, this God, he, he's translating you into his kingdom. He's, you're, 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 you're being born again into his image. In other words, you're being beco- becoming more compatible to where God can divulge his secrets. That's right. I think the, the, the catch is knowing that you have the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's the catch. Uh-huh. You can't just assume it, and it's not in your feelings, and it's not that's not where it is. Yeah. You've got to be able to connect what the Scripture says the Spirit does yeah. with what's taking place in you. Amen. And when you do, then you conclude. Uh-huh. You don't think, well, I, I'm making some progress. Well, that's true, but this is because yeah, that's right. the change is because of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's how you know. Amen. And Brother Robert's right. If you if you don't follow the Spirit, you're quenching them. Yeah, that's right. The Spirit does not stop so you'll catch up. you got to keep up. Yeah. That's what Paul's praying for here. Yeah. Yeah. Rooted and grounded, you'll be rooted and grounded so, so you'll be able to comprehend. All right, now we're coming to this understanding factor. So you'll be able to comprehend with all saints. This is something for all saints, not just for the leaders. With all saints. Comprehension is a divine provision for all the people of God. Comprehending means you can understand it. You can discern it. You can perceive it. Perceive what? What God's doing. Yes, What's amen. God's purpose. Mm-hmm. Where God's taken you. What's awaiting you. Mm-hmm. Your strength is so you'll be able mm-hmm. to comprehend. Yeah. What a marvelous thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One can only imagine what God's reaction is. to the popular preachers and teachers of the day who are just talking about the everyday lives of saints. That's the subject they talk about. Everyday life. That's not the subject Jesus talked about and it's not the subject the apostles talked about. Not everyday life, supernatural life. That's what they talked about. Nature in all of its immensity and in all of its diversity from the microscopic to the colossal is only a very faint reflection of the breadth and length and height and depth of this great salvation. If you think the universe is large and complex and marvelous, (coughs) salvation is larger 
and more complex and more glorious. So much so, you need divine strength just to have any degree of comprehension and understanding. Why do people neglect so great salvation? Because they can't see it. They can't comprehend it. They don't know it. That's why. Why, when people pass through trials, do they murmur? Why? Because they can't see the nature of salvation. That just like a woman has to go through childbirth, you have to go through contractions, you have to go through things to obtain the benefits of salvation. I've known men who have spent over seven decades plowing every single day of their life, plowing in the Word of God and digesting it. And they will be the first to tell you they feel like they've just touched the hem of the garment. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people. For over 70 years of my life, there's never been a day that the main activity I had wasn't probing the Word of God and thinking about the Word of God. But I feel like I just touched the hem of the garment. Why? Because this is large. Yeah. Yes, amen. If the creation you think is large, salvation is larger. That's right. You're part of a vast kingdom mm. that has marvelous complexity and is perfectly harmonious. See? All the nature is complex, but it's harmonious. Mm-hmm. Nothing goes out of whack yeah. in creation. No, no, no planet ends up where it's not supposed to be or goes in another orbit. <laughs> Salvation is even more precise than that. Yeah. All right? You might be able to comprehend with all saints and, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Yeah. Now, this is a twofold love. It's first of all love for the Father. Mm-hmm. Christ's love for the Father, that's the, that's his first preeminent love. That's right. Then after that is his love for the church. Yeah. Christ's love for the Father is compelled him to say, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, in the volume of the book is written of me. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou didst not, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, and he may establish the second. The greatest manifestation of Christ's love is his love for the Father. He mentioned this repeatedly in the Gospels. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, that is true. But the Father's love was greater than that. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is true. Mm -hmm. But Christ's love for God is greater than that. Because his love for God is what prompted him to have these other loves. Here Jesus, as he says this, I, that the world may know that I love the Father. Mm -hmm. This is John 14, 31. That the world may know that I love the Father. And even as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Mm-hmm. That the world may know yeah. that Jesus loves the Father. Yeah. Yeah. All right? 
I don't think that's being said very much. I reserve the right to be wrong, but I don't. I've, I traffic among Christian people, and I don't think this is known. Yes, Brother Jonathan. Well, concerning love for God and love for man, I mean, if you really think about it, that's not really even a fair comparison. Who was there, who was there at the beginning? Who was, who was one with the Word, you know? I mean, consider the, the, the Word and the God, and they were one. And how long they've been around as opposed to how long humanity's been around, you know? It's, to me, that's not even a fair comparison. It shouldn't even be up for question. The priority of His love and that great love He has for the Father. I think that's a no-brainer, really. That's right. That's the love that compelled Jesus to obey the Father's commandment. If he didn't love God, he would not have done it. But he did love God. That's why he did it. Christ does have a love for his people. Make no mistake about that. But his love does not center in the people. His love centers in the Father. And the overflow of it is to his people. Why is it this way? Because the way Jesus loves God is the way we must love God. His love love for God is the example of what our love is, is to be. And salvation equips you to love God in the same way not to the same extent, we understand, but in the same way as Jesus loved him. What way was that? Jesus refused mm-hmm. not to do the Father's will. Yes. All right, that's the kind of love that we must have, that we can have in Christ, mm-hmm. where we refuse to put God in second place. Yeah. We refuse, just refuse to do it. That's the kind of love. Now, here's an interesting thing. His love passes all knowledge. So, how do you explain to someone that you want them to know what can't be known? (laughs) Well, I can explain it to you. You can see you can't fully know, but I don't think that's adequate. What faith does... Faith enables you to live just as though you knew every single thing about salvation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though you don't. But faith gives you this sense, this intuitive sense, so that what it would take, what you would have to know to live perfectly before God, faith gives you that type of devotion to God. Can you see that? It appropriates all the benefits that the knowledge would appropriate. Yes. It's a, it's a confidence that we can know. That's right. And, and it's, it's, it's more or less confidence that we will know in, in due time. Yeah. Well, okay. see, the glory of it is, Brother, Brother Marty, we will know, but until we know, this does not knowing doesn't cause us not to, not to live unto the Lord, even though we don't know. Uh-huh. Faith gives us the same sort of direction that full knowledge would give us. Anyway, it's a great thing to see. 
Well, see, that's not the <laughs> that's not the end of it. That you may know the love of Christ. That's in order that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, here's the grand purpose of it all. Ponder what Paul has said thus far in this in the text we're looking at. All prompted by he heard about their faith and about their love. He prays that God would grant or give them certain benefits. That God would give them to them according to his riches in glory. He would strengthen them with might. He would strengthen them by his spirit. He would strengthen them in the inner man. That the strength would result in Christ dwelling in their hearts. That Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. That Christ dwelling in their hearts would result in them being rooted and grounded. They'd be rooted and grounded in love, God's love, Christ's love for God first and us secondarily. That the rooting and grounding would result in being able to comprehend with all saints. That being able to comprehend means we'd see the scope or greatness of salvation. That is in order that our comprehension would result in knowing the love of Christ that cannot be fully known or cannot be hardly known at all. You see that, how that nothing about salvation is simplistic? Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. You've heard people talk about the simple plan of salvation. Simple. Yeah. It's not simple at all. Mm-hmm. And we're still not at the end of this prayer. Yeah. That she might be filled yeah. with all the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. Now right here, in this statement, we come against the hindering wall mm-hmm. Of contemporary Christianity. Throughout the centuries, Satan has labored and his minions to fabricate a false church, false Christs, false apostles, false teachers, false brethren. These are all mentioned in Scripture. He's raised up another Jesus. Another spirit and another gospel. Yeah. All right, how can you wade through this morass of falseness yeah. to be filled with all the fullness of yeah. God? That's yeah. how. Yeah. That's how you'll be able to detect mm-hmm. that this is not the direction to go. Mm-hmm. This is not the direction to think of Jesus. This is not how I should think of myself. Mm-hmm. This is how I should. Think. And then Jesus is a living example. He did this. Yeah. When he came to earth, he did this. He lived this out mm-hmm. completely for the Father. Mm-hmm. Amen. This false uh, thing that Satan has raised up is called a form yeah. uh-huh. of godliness that denies or rejects the power yeah. of godliness. Mm-hmm. So why is it that men have invented programs to correct human behavior? Why? Because they have rejected the power that the gospel proclaims. Is it serious? Well, the Holy Spirit said people do that. Withdraw from them. Get away from them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say try and correct them. These type of people have gone too far already. 
So far as I know in Scripture, there's nothing that tells you to correct a false prophet. A false prophet is not someone who states something they heard. You understand that? There are people that repeat false sayings, but they're repeating what they heard. They're not prophesying when they say this. The people that originated Mm -hmm. that particular line of thinking, that's the false prophet. And there's no place in Scripture that I know of, in either old or new, where false prophets were told to be corrected or where God tried to correct them. Now, you just have, you just have to do your own research on this, but I haven't found any. If you found some, find one, you can just let it be known. Aren't we supposed to warn people against Pardon? Prophets? Yeah, we should warn people against Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. See, because... To be able to detect this sort of thing, that's this process we've been reading about in this text. Mm-hmm. You're filled up with the fullness of God. See, that's that's what enables the person to detect these, but until they do, mm-hmm. they've got to be warned. Now, you, mm-hmm. you'll be criticized. If you do this, you'll be criticized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it won't be from God. Yeah, amen. Yeah. It won't be from heaven. Filled with all the fullness of yeah. Of God. Now, I don't know that you could substantiate through Scripture that a person receives a part of Christ or a part of God or a part of the Holy Spirit. How much you receive is determined by this, your container. And the size of your container is determined by your role in the body of Christ. An apostle didn't have the same size container as someone that ministered aid to the saints. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. But both of them were filled. Amen. Mm-hmm. Both of them were filled. Mm-hmm. That widow, we appealed to a lot that mm-hmm. her boys were going to have to be sold into slavery to pay off a debt mm-hmm. that their father left. And the prophet Elisha told her, well, what do you have? What's I have a little bottle of oil? That's all I got. Oh, she says that's it. We got, we can work with that. Yeah. <laughs> Go to your neighbors and borrow every kind of vessel you can from wall to wall to your houses. Wall to wall is filled with vessels. So the scriptures tell you there were some, there were small vessels, yeah. like perfume vessels, yeah. and there were large vessels like yeah. big containers. Mm-hmm. She took that little bottle of oil. Yeah. And he says, all right, now close the door. Before you do this, Mm -hmm. close the door and start pouring. Mm -hmm. She poured, filled every single one of those vessels, and when she filled the last vessel, Mm -hmm. the oil stopped flowing, but the same amount was in the jar. Now that's a sort of a parable. Mm -hmm. When God gives you his fullness, uh-huh. he doesn't lose any of it. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't lose any of his fullness. That's that's God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose any. Mm-hmm. But you can be filled mm-hmm. with the fullness that comes from God. The person of God is capable of filling your person. Mm-hmm. Your person can't fill his person. Yeah. The whole human race can't fill his person, but he can fill Mm -hmm. any vessel that's submitted to him. Yes, Sister Heather. I'd like to think about 
thank God that my understanding has increased tonight um, through your teaching. Um, you've made available what the Lord has has given you, and through that, I've been able to see that um, it is true and confirmed that in order for Christ to dwell within me um, and minister, I, I must be strong, and I feel that pull. Um, it says having strong roots in love. My love for Jesus makes me want to keep up with That's him it. and keep That's running it. the race. And I feel as I press into uh, to know him more that I am getting strength at the same time. And so it's really beautiful how it all ties together. And I thank you for that. Amen. That's wonderful. Able to comprehend. Let me read this text we just went over once again mm -hmm. to show you how it all kind of flows it just flows together for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit of the inner man that Christ might dwell in your heart by faith mm -hmm. that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints mm -hmm. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's actually one sentence. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Isn't it a good one, though? Amen. Yes. <laughs> God speaks in these long sentences, and you'll find it in the, in the uh, older translations. They don't break the text up into sentences. Sometimes a, uh, nearly a whole chapter will be one sentence. Yeah. Well, it is what it, it is one sentence. It's all an interrelated amen. train of thought. Yes, amen. But we're living in a bits and bytes society where they got to have little bitty, mm -hmm. little bitty bites. Yeah. yeah and we're, we're taught not to, they're called run on sentences in grammar because it just keeps running on and on and on. But the, the Word of God isn't like that, it's all rel relevant. It's all, there's so much to be communicated right. that there's no such thing as a run-on sentence in the Spirit. And when, when, you, when you move up, yeah. you bring with you everything you had. Yeah, amen. You don't move away from anything you learned. Amen, amen. Or anything you have. Mm -hmm. You bring it along with you. Mm -hmm. Marvelous. Amen. And, yes, Sister Katie. Brother Kevin, I was considering not correcting these false serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't correct them. Yep. They're they're um, serving their own belly. Mm -hmm. So if you try, they're not going to listen to you because they're not serving the Lord. Yes. Amen. All right, we'll have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You've given us Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. We pledge ourselves to digest his teaching and to give thanks for it. We thank you that he's confirmed to our hearts that your salvation is a great salvation. It's more than our natural minds can take in, so we give thanks to you for faith that can receive and live and give thanks to God. We are grateful for the gift of faith. Now bless us as we have some refreshments together. We thank you for each other. Yes. We thank you for all of our brethren that we know. Yes. 
Pray that you'll be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.